How's everybody doing today? Come on, let's give God a hand clap. Man, that was one of them sexual chocolate hand claps. Come on, y'all, clap your hands for Jesus. How you guys doing today? You guys have a great week? Everybody had a good week? All right, we want to give a special thank you, amen, to the worship team that came up on the first selection. Can y'all clap your hands again for them? All right, we're doing something a little different today. I have a guest speaker here today, um, one of my good friends um, that I've known for about th- about three or four years. I met him about 10 years ago, um, and when I met him, he was like extra Pentecostal, was shouting and dancing, um, but he's changed now, so I'm just playing with him. Um, so we have Pastor Joe Brown here from Philadelphia. <clears throat> he's going to be our guest speaker. Um, Y'all know how we are. We're, we're, we're a strong word church. Um, I, I told you guys when I spoke about them, I spoke highly of them last week. I said, I like people that make me feel stupid. This is the kind of guy that made me feel real dumb. I thought I was smart. And then when I got done, I went and had to go grab some books and learn stuff all over again. Um, so uh, he's challenged me, which is why I wanted him to come in here to challenge y'all as well. Um, just so you guys can see what kind of speaker this guy. He's amazing. Um, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. Um, so if he's ready, we're ready for you. You ready? You ready? <laughs> Clap your hands, everybody, for Pastor Joe Brown. Come on, let's give God praise. That's good for me. I said let's give God praise. Amen, for he is good and he is worthy. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If I get a little bit more volume in the mic, amen, help me preach this morning and we'll get out of here at a decent time. Amen? Amen. I thank God for uh, your pastor, Pastor Joel Moorfield and his lovely wife. Amen. And um, I'm, I'm always excited. I'm always excited um, to, to speak at church plants. And it is a significant difference between a church plant and someone just starting a church. Uh, someone starting a church typically targets people that belong to other churches. A church plant sets out to win the loss in the community or the demographic or the region that God has called them to. Is a, is a significant difference. You understand what I'm saying? And you look for, your heart burns for those who don't know Jesus. Your heart burns for those that don't know Jesus. And one of the things that I have recognized in the church is that a lot, a lot of Pentecostal churches don't understand what a church plan is. People think you just set up shop, find a building, no engagement with the community, uh, not seeking to win those who don't know anything about God, and just preaching a good message and putting together an attractional model that gets other disgruntled folk from churches to come to your ministry. But I'm excited this morning because I've, I've watched my brother from afar take on this task and go through the process and a lot of questions that he had within himself. Um, long nights, I can imagine, of prayer, uh, text messaging back and forth all day while I'm at work getting on my nerves. <laughs> But, 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 but he, he said yes to the Lord um, when I met him. And like he said, I've known him for probably over 
uh, 10 years, but um, we really began to speak about three or four years ago. And, you know, he, he uh, uh, was on a certain trajectory, so he thought, and the God just interrupted his life and told him to plant Hope Haven. Amen. Amen. I, I even, I mean, don't don't shoot me. I, I'm not going to sit here in front. I, I actually tried to get him to change the name of the church, um, but he was hard-headed, and, <laughs> and he, he kept Hope Haven. Amen. Turn your Bibles real quick. Thank God for my lovely wife um, being here. Um, turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians, and as you uh, get there, um, I told Pastor Moorfield, you are definitely kicked out of the Pentecostal church. I mean, <laughs> with, your, with your attire today, they just, you know, just dress down stuff is not going to work for them. Um, and, you know, even, even, even as holy as uh, Pastor Moorfield and, and, and I may be, um, if, if we still have one foot in the Pentecostal church, and there's not anything wrong with the Pentecostal church, our wives are going to get us kicked out. Um, I, I know you watched Beyonce on uh, uh, Netflix. It was like a national holiday for them. Oh, my gosh, she's about to drop. <laughs> my, wife, my wife was hyped. My, my son told her, please give Beyonce a break. Amen, amen, amen. Don't judge me. Beyonce hot. Come on. Let, let's, let's just be honest. I mean, we still saved. We, we still holy. Uh, um, 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 some things that I have had to embrace, um, honestly, and I had to question myself, is uh, with how many things um, do, do I believe or do I hold dear to my heart that I was indoctrinated in versus what I studied and came to my own conclusion? Are you with me? And I think in this, this, this next phase that we're going in the body of Christ is that we have to teach people how to think and not what to think. And there are times where we look at the text critically, look at the Bible critically, and it would challenge our ideologies that derive from our uh, church upbringing. And a lot of times people don't have, they, people are uncomfortable with that challenge because if it doesn't fit within the, the box of comfortability, They'll judge and, and they'll speak against and, 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 and not recognize that maybe there was an error in what you've learned as you came up. Are you with me? Uh, so Colossians say amen when you have it. I'm going to be out your way. I'm going to try to be out your way. But we're going to see what God does. Amen. Pray for the, the bridge church. Um, that, that we may do what God has called us to do to impact uh, the city of Philadelphia. Keep us in your prayers because obviously you know how hard it is. Amen. Amen. Why y'all, come on, don't, why y'all so quiet? <laughs> Colossians 1, 9 through 14. But you do have great leaders. Amen. Amen. How many people are the core team? How many people core team? Um, core team members, core team members, core team members. How long the church been in existence? Seven months. How many people been coming to this church for the last five months? Raise your hand high. Come on, don't be. So when I say who's the core team, everybody that's been coming need to lift your hands. Amen. 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 This is the team that's going to impact this community. Amen. This is the team that consistently comes. This is the team that's going to disciple others to grow in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 through 9, 4, I mean 1 and 9. For this reason also since the day we heard this, 
We haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance and the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If I had to leave you, and I am going to leave you with the subject this morning, it is maturing through the gospel. Maturing through the gospel. In order to fully grasp anything that Paul has written, um, he is the writer of 13 of the 21 epistles in the New Testament. We have to begin to look at the background in which Paul comes from. It is phenomenal because we, we read about how Paul was a terrorist against the Roman Empire and as well as the church. He had a tenacity for seeing people uh, that was believing in anything that he believed to be opposing to God die or be put into prison. He's a man that grew up in Tarsus. He grew up in Tarsus. He has a Hellenistic background. The one thing uh, with this background, it, it was wiring him to be able to minister to the Gentile. It's funny how God begins to process us before we even get to the place he wants us to be. Not only did he have a Hellenistic background, but he also had a strong Jewish background as his father was a Jew. Paul, Paul, uh, his theology, his theological construct before he encountered Christ uh, was, was that the story of God uh, was only geared towards saving the Jews. He, 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 he placed emphasis on uh, the importance of understanding uh, the law, the temple, the city of Jerusalem. He, he, his theological ideologies didn't see God and see the story of God expanding beyond uh, God's chosen people. He, did, he didn't see that. He didn't see that. And one day he, in, he encountered Christ on his, his way to Damascus and Christ said something that is powerful that, that, that blew his mind. How long will you persecute me? How, how long will you kick up against the pricks? How long will you try to destroy the church? How long will you walk in this way? It is phenomenal because when we look at this, Paul never thought or never, never uh, viewed his actions as being wrong. He thought that murdering and, and imprisoning uh, the Christians is what God wanted him to do. Sometimes we could be extremely antagonistic and judgmental of the Pharisees. And we have to understand that, that Paul was very pharisaical and, and he came from a place where they were just released out of prison out of bondage because of their idolatrous worship and here comes this man these believers that's saying that they believe in this man named Jesus who is the son of God and and he was trying to stay away from falling into idolatrous uh functioning where he would go back into bondage 
go back into bondage. Here it is we have now. He has this encounter with Jesus and his mind is blown. His, his spirit is rocked. His, his relationship now is beginning to start with Christ. And he finds out that now his, his mission is not just to the Jews, but his mission is to the Gentile. The story, the story take, takes a turn for him because now he, he's not just talking about the city. The city has no significance to him, but he, he, he has made Jesus the central uh, of the story. He is the central figure in the meta narrative of God. And he is expanding his ideas to tell uh, others that's outside of the Jewish culture that God had his son die for you. It is funny because we could become such uh, so sectarian in the church where uh, we feel as if that if they don't do it the way that we do it, they are unqualified to share in the inheritance of Christ. This is why we have so many denominational uh, differences and, and, and we have uh, all of these uh, different doctrinal beliefs. And the fact is that if someone believes in Jesus Christ, whether they baptize and submerge or they baptize with the sprinkling of the head, that shouldn't separate us as far as the kingdom. We have now a lot of people, uh, 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 leaders in the church that is looking to build their church, grow their church, but they don't want to partner with other leaders to expand the kingdom. Uh, me, me and my brother, me and my brother, beyond that, beyond that, if we never met each other, if we never never formed a, a, a friendship or relationship, but we were ministry acquaintances, he is not my competition, he is my partner. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm here, I'm here partnering with him, not lording over him, not subjecting, or I'm subjecting myself to his leadership being in the church, but, but, but it's about expanding the, the kingdom of God so that the laws can come in and not put up barriers that keep people out. It is here now where where we find that 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 the church has mastered and I don't like beating up the church, but we just have to be honest that the, the church has mastered how to put up a set of rules that are not biblical because they don't understand uh, uh, the difference between absolutes, exactly what the text says, what the Bible teaches us. Uh, they don't understand there's a difference between the absolutes. There's a difference between the absolutes, convictions, and preferences. There are certain things that, that convicts us, but it doesn't mean it is Biblical. It is okay that it convicts us, but we can't put a non-biblical conviction on somebody else and expect them to live by what convicts us. Y'all, 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 quiet, y'all, quiet. There, there, there are certain certain things that 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 is our preference, but is not biblical. It's not our conviction. It's our preference. Oh, okay. If it's your preference for women not to wear pants, that's your preference. But don't say it's biblical, y'all. Y'all, quiet here. They, they don't say that that they're unholy because they don't meet the standard of your preference. That's your preference. It's your preference not to. To wear tight jeans, uh, skinny legs. That's your preference, but there isn't anything biblical that says that is a sin. Morefield, they're not helping me in here this morning. Um, 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 it, it is, it is, it is, it is nerve-wracking for me because I see so many people turned off by the church because the church 
always want to talk about what is against as opposed to teaching people what God is for. And so we, 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 we put on or we, we portray or we give off this antagonistic persona that's not inviting. And we, we, we basically tell the lost that if you don't come in and you look like me, talk like me, act like me, you can't be a part of this culture. Furthermore, there are so many people in the church that have a better relationship with the culture of the church than they do with Jesus Christ. So, so, so it is here now where we understand that Paul recognizes that he is not called to the big house. He's not, he's not called to the Jerusalem church. That is the established church. Paul didn't just go out on his own, but he was sent out by the church of Antioch. He recognized that his mission was to go from place to place, preaching and winning the loss. To show you that, that, that God wired Paul for this, for this mission, if, if you consider Acts chapter 17. He, he encounters a group of Greeks. He, he encounters these individuals who, who were uh, uh, very knowledgeable of exoteric, exoteric or esoteric uh, philosophy. He, 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 he was very knowledgeable and he recognized that these men were men of prestige. Now, he, he, he encounters them while they are worshiping an unknown God. He, they were worshiping an unknown God in the altar, on their altar there was an inscription that says to an unknown God Paul Paul didn't lose his mind he he walked up to them and he says men of Athens one he showed respect are you here with me men of Athens he he honored them and respected them for who they were and then if you notice he never made mention of scripture yes when he began to speak to them he did come from scripture but he didn't say in the book of Genesis this and that and the third what he did was he talked about creation. He talked about creation in a philosophical way. When you continue on, on the, in the story to show you that Paul's wired for this mission, Paul quotes a philosopher, uh, uh, one of their philosophers, in him I move, in him I breathe, in him I have my being. That wasn't scripture. That was a philosophy from one of the more renowned philosophers of that time. What are you saying, Brown? As God sends us on mission to reach those that he has called us to, we have to be willing to do enough research to speak their language, y'all. Why? Because we have a tendency of judging and looking at somebody from afar off before we get next to them to learn their story, to find out why they act the way that they act, why they talk the way that they talk, and why they think the way that they think. That is discipleship. It's all about relationship, partaking in that life-on-life -life phenomenon that God created from the beginning that situates us in community and then allows us to live out love your neighbor as yourself. Are y'all still with me? Love your neighbor as yourself. The thing that uh, I love about that particular uh, uh, command is that uh, we don't get to choose our neighbor. He drops us among people that more than likely we wouldn't get along with. So that we can rub Jesus, 
not vomit Jesus on them, but rub Jesus upon them based on our relationship that we're developing through what? Discourse and dialogue. It's not just seeing somebody that is lost and then intruding on them and throwing up scripture. But it's getting next to somebody, whether you get the opportunity or not, to preach the gospel to them. And showing them through love that there is a Christ. When we walk next to people, even if we're not able to say, I'm a Jesus follower, they'll see how we respond and react to situations. How we love in spite of. And they say, what is it that causes you to treat me this way? That is our moment. To say it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the same one that rocked me can rock you. Not just, oh, you need to come out. That's the problem we have with witnessing to our family members. I, I'm not fussing at y'all. I just get animated a little bit. So when we look here, I got to get into the text. When we look here, we, we, we see that Paul has shifted his theological ideas and understanding. And he recognizes that the story of God involves all. He is seeing that when God spoke to Abraham, he wasn't just speaking of the Jews being blessed, but he was speaking, all shall be blessed. Are y'all still here with me? He had a very narrow idea at first until he was converted. Now, when we look at the writings of Paul, we see that his, his theology begins to mature as, as, he, as he goes along, as he begins to write. Here now he is writing to this particular church, and this church he did not plant, but his spiritual son planted this church. Epaphras planted the church that's in Colossus. But he saw that there was an issue when Epaphras went to visit him in Rome. Epaphras let him know that there was some false teachers that's teaching a gospel that is not of Christ. And I need some help. I need you to address this matter, although you're in prison. But Paul says, I'm going to address it because I love these, these pseudo Apostles are teaching a doctrine that does not necessarily line up with Scripture, and Paul has to deal with it. It is here now, as we begin to look closer into our text, is that Paul is exposing the people to the supremacy and divinity of Christ. Why? Because early Gnosticism says that... Uh, Material is evil. Therefore, a God could not come in the flesh, which is why John 101 should rock us because he said in the beginning was the word. The word was God and the word was with God. If you keep on reading and go down to about the 12th to the 14th verse, you will find they say, and the word was made flesh. Now, if material is evil, then the word be made flesh means that Jesus is evil. Y'all quiet here. So early Gnosticism went against the divinity of Christ. How can anybody be in the flesh and be divine? Are y'all still with me? In him 
was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. All things were made by him, was not anything made that was made. But they did not understand why, because they looked at anything that was flesh, that was human, as inherently evil. This is, this is a problem because it is the person of Christ that we have to understand also in order to obtain salvation. If we don't believe in the humanity of Christ, how could we ever understand that he was resurrected? It's the hypostatic union where the two natures are within one body, but never intertwine. Oh, God. He is just as human as he is divine. Tell me to slow up if you need me to slow up. He is just as human as he is divine. And they are teaching against that. He cannot be divine and human. And they also had this elitist theology where uh, you had to be in a particular particular place from a class standpoint in order to get to God. So in other words, those who are of the elite get special revelation from God and those who are considered the second class can't hear from God like the elite. Come on, have anybody ever ever heard the pastor say, why would God talk to you and not talk to me about your life? No, no, no. I can buy it. If you're talking about the church, although it's questionable, because if I'm a stakeholder within the church, I I believe that God will talk to me also about the church, even if he has instructed me to follow the vision that he placed in the heart of the leader. But, but, But you mean to tell me that if I pray and I fast, that there's no way that God will speak to me about the direction of my life before he speaks to you. But we tell people you need to pray fast and, put, and, and, and lay before God. But when then God starts dealing with us in a way that is contrary to what the plans you had for our life, now we say that God cannot possibly be talking to you because he would not have informed you of that before he informed me. That is problematic. That that is problematic because we place a lot of emphasis on the four walls of the church. If everybody, if all of us, all of you anointed folk were to get up and walk outside the door, guess what? This becomes a building. Once you come in the building, it becomes a church, which is why church does not end when we give the benediction. Church is just beginning when we walk out the four walls. Because once we get a missional mindset, we understand that we walk out the four walls and that's where the work starts. I don't understand why so many folk are arguing and fussing and not getting along in the building. Y'all, quiet. The building is where we celebrate the work we did throughout the week. Why are we arguing over who got more chicken wings and who got more greens and who's on this board and who's on this ministry? No, 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 no. Why are we arguing about who's not getting the opportunity to preach. When people tell me my pastor's not allowing me to preach, I ask them, have you first preached in your community? So so when we're looking at this, there's a problem. There's an attack against this church. And, and, And Paul says, 
I'm praying for you. One thing that we have to understand before we can reach the masses, before we can reach the community, we first have to recognize the importance of growing in Christ ourselves. Because if we remain immature, we'll do more damage than good. First, uh, we have a lot of people that have to detox themselves from, from the false ideologies of the past, from what the church, I don't mean to keep coming at the church, but what the church has taught us that we didn't seek out to study ourselves, and then we lived our life, and we caused people to be outcast and to be on the outside and to be marginalized, and, and, and we failed to recognize them on the periphery because we made the way we do church the center. Therefore, there was no way that the church, by and large, could understand how to stand in solidarity with someone who, were being, who was being oppressed, although we didn't think alike. But, but, but the Bible says in Micah 6 and 8, love justice, seek mercy, and walk humbly before them. Well, what is our, what is our mission? Our mission should be to see as many people come to Christ through the teaching of the gospel. It is here now we see Paul saying that I, I, I pray, I, I, I have to pray for you. Are y'all still good? I, I have to pray for you. There are two complementary ideas here that as we look at this text closely, Paul is dealing with the condition of the church and the danger to the church. And these individuals that's teaching this false doctrine has come from within the church. These are not outsiders that, that, are, that are waiting outside the church and preaching for those that are leaving the church after the benediction. But these are individuals that's right up in the church. Are y'all with me? They, they are one of us. Teaching this false doctrine. He says, for this reason, also since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is phenomenal because when we look at this word knowledge, we look at this word knowledge, he's not simply talking about gnosis, but it's a Greek word that, that, that a prefix has been added to it to give it more meaning. He says, uh, uh, I pray that, that you grow in epinosis, because here it is, the Gnostics. The Gnostics had a foundational or a shallow knowledge of God. But what he is saying is, uh, it's not enough to just have intellectual understanding of who God is, but, but, but epinosis causes us to go deeper. I pray that you go beyond uh, uh, intellectual knowledge to, to a heart knowledge that, that builds relationship. Can, can I take it a step further? Well, when you get the opportunity, go to Acts 19. Go to Acts 19. That There were some individuals who who, who tried to duplicate what God was doing through Paul, the seven sons of Sceva, the sons of the priests, and, and they went to cast the devil out, and, and, and the devil responded and said, Jesus, I, I, 
I know. I, I know Jesus Agenosco. I, I, I know him uh, closely. I've been up on him. I, I know him. And, and Paul, I know. I, I, that, that no, that no is phenomenal. We have a lot of people in church who have an intellectual understanding of God, but they don't have a relationship with Christ. They can break down doctrine and theology, but they don't really have a close relationship with him. And Paul says, I'm praying that you grow in relationship with Christ. Yes, yes, he has given us an intellect to understand the things that he has put out there, but but, but he's not after our head. He's after our heart. Are y'all still here with me? As a man thinketh, 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 in that context is dealing with the heart. As a man feels his emotions, his connectivity to something from an emotional standpoint, as a man thinketh, so is he somebody can speak from their mind and have it come out of their mouth and you get the mind but but when it's deep down in their heart after a while you'll feel what's in their heart one day they're saying they love you keep on conversing with them and you find out how they really feel about you why because what's in the heart eventually comes out what is in our heart for Christ let this mind be in us let this heart be in us that was also in Christ y'all quiet here. Let this heart be in us that was, let this heart be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. Not the mind, but the heart, because once the heart has been transformed, the mind would be transformed. Romans 12 and 2 lets us know, be, be, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your heart. He, he, he is building here because he understands these individuals are trying to attack you, confuse you with, with intellectualism. Are y'all still here with me? But they really have no relationship because had they had a relationship, they wouldn't teach what they're teaching. They wouldn't put up walls as opposed to tearing down walls. But they're creating this separation. Why? Because their heart is not in it. One moment when you're called to be a part of a church plant, your heart has to be in it. Why? Because it requires us to get our hands dirty. It's, it's not a cushy position, but, but it causes us to get next to the dirty. It causes us to, to be willing to, to put our reputation on the line so that somebody else may come to know Christ. What do you mean, Brown? What I'm saying is, when, when, when they, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to accuse Jesus, they said, why are you eating with the tax collectors? Why, why are you eating with these individuals? Jesus says that I didn't come for those who are saved. I came for the lost, but the church has spent so much time keeping the lost out. That's why when you go to people, they say, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not yet where I need to be to come to church. No, you're exactly where you need to be to come to church. As a matter of fact, we're not going to wait for you to come to the building. Let me minister to you now. Hey, grow. Somebody say grow in the knowledge. Grow in the knowledge. Uh, 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 I am reminded when I think about this word gnosis, and I'm almost done. When I think about this word gnosis, it is the same word that Peter used when, when he said, uh, uh, husbands, um, know your wife according 
to knowledge. To know your wife according to knowledge. Understand her needs and her wants. Uh, 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 love her. Do all of these different things for her. Uh, um, but he's not really dealing with relationship. Because he automatically assumes if you're married, the relationship is established. I, I need you to... Get, 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 get. In other words, learn your wife according to your mind. You, you, you already married to, to this person, but you need to know what makes her tick. You need to know what she wants. Let me get off that. I'm just trying to break down the word gnosis. But what, 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 what Paul is saying is, I need you when it comes to Christ to go deeper. You got to understand, because this is the same Paul that said, I wish all of you were like me. And single. Why? Because you could devote all your time to Christ. He says, I'm praying for your mind. I'm, I'm praying that, that, that this false uh, doctrine doesn't seep into your heart and cause you to, to, to go outside of the will of God. It, it, it is another another point that, that he's making here where he says, uh, am I all right on time? I'm almost done. Uh, where he says, so that you may walk Worthy of the Lord. So here it is now where, 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 where he says that this would be fully pleasing to him, that, that you would bear fruit. Um, 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 the, the, the response or the proper response to this is in our walk. How, how do we display that we've grown in relationship? How will people understand or people recognize the fruit that we bear? They, they recognize it based on our walk. In other words, Paul is saying that it's not enough to, to, to seemingly get it while you're in the church. Your walk has to display that you're growing. Mm. Uh, I, I need to see your walk. Can, can, can we follow you home when when church is over? Can, can, can we follow you on your job when church is over? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about making a, con, a conscious decision to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. I, I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. He's not after perfection. He's after love. He says I will perfect those things that concern you. Let me, let me take care of the perfection. I just need you to love me. I, I have to make sure in your walk you're just not serving me for what I can give with my hands, but you're serving me because of my heart. You're serving me because my son died on a cross while you were yet sinners. You're serving me understanding that, that, that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You're serving me because I chose you before the foundations of the world that you may be saved and inherit the kingdom of God. Do you love me? I need to see it in your walk. I, I need to see it in your walk. What is he saying? What, what is he saying? He's saying if you mature in God, if you, if you mature in God, first you'll bear fruit. Somebody say bear fruit. And this, 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 and it says bearing fruit in every good work. No, we don't have to. Uh, 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 our, our place in God is not based on merit. It's not based on merit. But, but, but what he is saying is when you bear good fruit in every good work, he is, he is dealing with a reproductive aspect of the Christian calling. In other words, as you are walking, your maturity will drive you to get next to somebody and help them grow in God. And then they will help somebody else grow in God. So he's dealing with multiple. 
multiplication. Are y'all still here with me? If you are maturing, if you are really in me, what is the evidence in your walk? See, we always want to talk about a standard. We, we want to talk about a standard. We got this list of what the big sins are. If, 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 you, if you're fornicating, you're, you're going to hell. If you're not fornicating, you're, you're, you're holy. If, you, if you're not cussing, you're holy. But, but, but you, can, you can have somebody that, 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 that meet the checks uh, 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 or accomplish the metrics of what the church says is the major sins. But then when you ask them, who, who have you discipled? They can't give you any names. And then, and then you take it a step further. Who discipled you? They can't give you any names. So, so are you living holy if you're not sharing the gospel with somebody who don't know Christ? See, we focus, lady, on nonsense. And we try to get people because the church embarrasses easy. And we try to get people to fit a guideline that only make that house look good or that denomination look good. Are y'all still here with me? And very seldom do we get people that, that can recognize a struggle in somebody's life and not introduce them to the culture, but introduce them to Christ. See, 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 when, when, when somebody errors uh, in the kingdom, the first thing the church wants to do is sit them down. But the church doesn't want to take inventory and say, have we introduced this person to Christ or did we introduce them to the culture? Mm. Because if I just introduce them to the culture, they're going to fall. But I need to introduce them to Christ and then walk alongside of them and help them grow. Are you with me? Sometimes we look at numbers, and when we get the numbers, we leave people on their own. Secondly, this ain't in my notes. We, we, we have this uh, 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 hierarchy that we set up that doesn't empower leaders that's under the lead. Y'all, y'all still with me? We, we have a corporate structure in the church that, that, that those that are higher up get the special privileges. But, but when we look at the kingdom, when we look at uh, uh, Jesus' organizational structure, Jesus is on the bottom upholding everything that's above him. And, and that's where servant leadership comes in. So, so we got about, we got about what, 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 uh, 35 people in here right now. Um, my count may be off. We got about 35 people in here right now, right? Right? Say we got five leaders. We got five leaders. A uh, 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 Pastor Morfield, his wife, cannot disciple all 35. So what has to happen is he has to teach and help others grow and mature so that those five leaders can help shepherd the flock. Y'all, quiet. Uh, uh, and, and, and then the people respect the leaders of the house in the same way that they respect the pastor. So that when the leader says something, they don't go behind the leader's back to the pastor and cause division. Y'all quiet here. But we, we always want to lift somebody up above. Why? Because if we lift them up, we can control them. He, he. He is, he is talking uh, from a, a servant standpoint. He, he, he says, what is the evidence? It is both 
qualitative and quantitative. Uh, 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 in order to grow, we have to make sure we're in the right environment to grow. You, 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 you cannot grow. A, a flower can't grow unless it gets some sun, unless it gets some rain, unless it's, it's planted in some, some soil. It needs certain elements in order to grow. That, that is just like the believer. We need to be in an environment that's, that's conducive for growing. We need to be in an environment that, 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 that looks more on how is the individual growing than it is how big the church is going to be. Y'all quiet here. Uh, uh, somebody told me something the other day because I was discouraged and it blew my mind. They said, man, keep doing what you're doing. I don't care if you're reaching 10. Keep doing what you're doing. He said that because uh, 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 the quality is not always in numbers, but it's how much you're growing those that God has assigned to you. And he gave me a story about the Bentley. He said they only make 50 Bentleys a year. He says, does that make the Bentley any less significant than the Ford, the Chevrolet, any, any other dealer or any other manufacturer that has mass production? I said, no. And he said, it is that 50 just as if not more impactful than the thousands of cars and doesn't it cost more than those cars that, that are part of the mass production process? I said, yes. He said, if you touch five and that five touch 10 and that 10 touch 15 and that 15 touch 20, you have done your job. In other words, you can't look at your pro progress or your production based on the number. You have to look at it based on who God has assigned to you and how much they're growing. Somebody said grow. I'm done. I, 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 got to, I got to close. I got to close. Have me back. I'm closing now. So, so, so now uh, 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 we're looking at, he says, not only am I praying for your knowledge, I, I, I'm also praying that, that you may be strengthened, that you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Somebody say strengthen. As you walk, as you seek to meet the need of others, you're going to go through some stuff. Uh, when you're doing the work of the Lord, you're going to go through some stuff. But what he is praying for is that you recognize the authority and the power that has been given to you. He, he is dealing with two terms here. He is dealing with two different terms here. First, he is dealing with dunamis. He is dealing with dunamis because this is the potential to exert force and performing some function. In other words, I'm praying that you recognize that with the knowledge comes power. Power to do something that you never thought you could accomplish in your life. Power to function in a way that you could not function had it not been for God's grace. And he is saying that I'm going to overshadow you, work for you as a vessel, and you're going to see miraculous works like you've never seen before. Somebody say, Lord, let me recognize the power because the devil is coming. What else does he pray for? He, he prays for Kratos, Kratos, because what he is saying is it's not enough to just have power. It's not enough to just have power. But, but, but he says you also have to understand you have authority. You have authority. If I get a gun, if I, if I have a gun and somebody comes in and they, they try to attack us and, and I shoot the gun. Yeah, yes, I have the power to use the gun, but it doesn't mean I have the authority. Uh, you take somebody that has the same gun but has a license to use the gun, they have the power and the authority. When we walk this walk, we need power 
power and authority. Because if you just have power, the devil doesn't have to listen to power, but he has to listen and subject himself to power and authority. What are you saying here? In your house, you have jurisdiction over your house. You have jurisdiction over the land that God has given you. When you walk in power and walk in authority, you can cast anything out of whatever is in your space. But when we try to use power with no authority, we're going to get tore up. And too many people are trying to use power in areas they have no authority. Then he says, they, they come in with everything they have. And I don't need you to give up. I don't need you to give up because you're going to get hit with a lightning bolt. But I don't need you to give up. He says, I, I, I'm praying that you have great endurance and patience. He, he, he uses a word for endurance, hypomone. And, and hypomone means the capacity to bear under difficult situations. There's going to be some difficult situations that I need you to endure. In other words, this is not going to be a cakewalk. But I need you to endure this next season of your life. I need you to bear what's coming. I need you to be able to stand in the midst of what the enemy is bringing to you. Why? Because anytime you move to snatch people out of his grip, he's coming with everything he has. Then he says, not only do I need you to have endurance, I need you to have patience. I need you to be long-suffering. It's funny because we, we see his theology maturing. This is the same Paul who, who kind of lays out uh, uh, this, this paradigm in Galatians uh, when he's giving us the, the fruit of the Spirit. And he's saying, I need you to microthomia. Uh, I need you to uh, forbear, have long suffering for those that's attacking you. God, help me in here. I need you to have that same microthemia that Jesus had on the cross while, while they were torturing him where he says, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I, I need you to, to possess the type of love that, 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 that causes uh, uh, your anger to be overshadowed, that where you want to cuss them out, where you want to punch them in the face, you, you endure, you, 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 you display forbearance, you have patience. Because it's easy to throw in the towel. Man, of God, it's easy to throw in the towel. It, it's going to be some stuff that's going to come that's going to make you want to throw in the towel. But I need you. To endure and have patience. I, I'm done. Then he says, he has rescued us. And because of that, we have access or we have been engrafted into his kingdom to be a part of the inheritance of his saints. He brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light. And Paul is saying, I'm praying because he has wired you with the goods to make it. And pressure is going to come. But through the pressure, the glory of Christ is going to be shown.
in our life. When Lazarus died, Jesus prayed to God. When you want to, if you want to study it, go to John 11. Jesus prayed to God and he said, I know you hear me always, but because of the people who stand by, I need you to do this. Whether we keep Lazarus where he's at, he's good. Because like I told the sisters, I am the resurrection. But because of the people that standing by, Lord, I need you to bring him out. Do you hear what I'm saying? Lazarus didn't make a choice to come out. Jesus elected him to come out. We think that Pastor Moorfield and all you guys made a choice to be a part of this church plant. God elected you to be a part of this. What are you saying, Brown? You thought your life was going one way. And God stepped in and interrupted your whole plan. And some of you may say, what in the, how, how did I get here? Mary was minding her business. Getting ready to be married to Joseph. And all of a sudden, God want to drop a seed in her and say, you're going to carry my son. Interrupted her life. Things may not go as you planned. But when we're on mission, we are giving ourselves to God to say, whatever you want to do, just do it. And some of us are on the brink of giving up. We're tired of being tired. We're walking around with a smile, but we're crushed on the inside. But we have to know that God is going to get some glory out of this. Do y'all hear me? Glory is coming out of this. Everybody stand. I'm done. Me and my brother and I used to this. We, this, this is probably just at the time where somebody high five your neighbor. Ooh. I, I, was, I just did that two weeks ago. It was wonderful. So listen, listen. Listen, someone asked me, oh, where you, where you got to preach at this morning? I said, I got to preach for my man. Um, and I said, I'm excited because I get the opportunity to teach. And, and there's nothing greater than, than being able to teach. But hear, hear, hear me, Hope Haven. This is a dope ministry. God is doing some tremendous things in such a short amount of time. Watch out for the infiltrators. The more inviting that we are greater the possibility for somebody to infiltrate. People are going to infiltrate. But it's the love, it's the strength, perseverance, endurance of God that calls to make it through. If not, if we didn't do this any other time in our life, this is the time to really understand what God's grace means. When you make a mistake, we don't serve a God that has you in his crosshairs, ready to knock you off. We serve a God that's going to reach down in the mistake and pull you up and restore you.
people won't forgive you. But forgiveness comes from God. If God is giving you another chance, embrace it. Don't let guilt cause you to become paralyzed. But we pray that Hope Haven be everything that God has called it to be. That you'll reach this community, reach these people, reach all those that God has called or has assigned to this church. Lord, endow them with a missional mindset to the point that mission is embedded in their DNA. That we recognize that we don't just work in the church to have a good service on Sunday morning. But we come to the church to get equipped, according to Ephesians 4 and 11, that we may go out and exercise that which you have equipped us with. God, let us be bold. Let us not fear. Let us recognize that we have been uniquely created to do exactly what you have called us to do, not like anybody else. But to do it authentically in the manner that you have called us to. God, let, let everyone grow to the point they understand their sphere of influence. That you've placed them in situations where they have influence. They may not be a preacher. They may not be an evangelist. But God, somebody may have a business or they may be on their job. And you bring people in their path that they can share the gospel with. Father, we, we speak success over this church. That this church would do great exploits in your name. That the people will continually love each other. That they'll be so inviting and embrace those who don't smell the greatest. Embrace those who have checkered past. Embrace those who are on the brink of death. And God, let the love capture them. And Father, we thank you. We thank you right now, God. We ask you to protect this family. Protect the leaders, God. That they bear under any attack that may come to them. That they won't lose it to the place that discouragement causes them to give up. God, we come against every demonic attack right now. Every negative word that's spoken over them. God, do what you do always. Cover them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go the number two, hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.